God designed us for life, an abundant life with Him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists. Hey, good morning, Cross United. So glad that you've joined us on this uh, live stream video message, and uh, I hope you're doing well. I've been praying for you. Um, we're going to be in John 8, 21 through 24 this morning. Uh, just a few verses, but they're really power-packed. And so I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump in. So uh, if you got your Bibles or your app or however you're reading the Scripture, read along with me. John 8, 21 through 24. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible, CSB. Then he said to them, I'm going away. You will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Father, I ask that your spirit would have freedom in this time as I speak and as those who are listening will hear that Jesus would be exalted, that, Father, your Spirit would lift up your Son. I pray that you would edit me, Holy Spirit, to say exactly what you want me to say and not say anything that I shouldn't say. I pray wherever uh, this person who's listening to this right now is hearing this, whether they're in their living room, whether they're watching on a phone or a uh, a computer or they're listening uh, in headphones on a walk, wherever it may be, Lord, if they're on their patio, wherever it may be, that you would meet them in this moment and they would hear your voice and they would know your presence. They would be filled with your power. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's interesting. For the first time, really, in human history, our culture up until very recently, has been able to ignore and put out of mind the reality of death. Most people in most times in history, uh, death was ever present for them. But for us, because of our medical advancements, our life expectancy, our technology, we are able to ignore what is inevitable for all of us. And that is that each of us has an appointment with death. Now, recent weeks have changed that a little bit. We've been brought face to face with our own mortality. We've been aware of the, the, the soaring death rates because of the coronavirus and COVID-19. And we are more aware than maybe ever before of the fact that we are mortal, that we 
someday will die. We're, we've been brought face to face with this fact. And, uh, and actually the Bible says that that's actually a healthy thing. That it's actually healthy to contemplate the length of your life and to think about the fact that you will not live forever. It's healthy to acknowledge and to plan for the day of your death. You know, um, life coaching, self-help uh, gurus have said for, for a long time that actually it's good if you want to plan a life to think about the day of your death or the day of your funeral and to think about um, what people will say about you on the day they memorialize or, or celebrate your life. And what, what kind of things will, will people say? And you imagine people standing up and saying this and you think about what your epitaph, the, the, the words on your tombstone will be. It's a healthy thing, actually, to think about that. It's not morbid. It, 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 it's not weird or gothic. It is healthy to consider the day of our death and to think about the fact that we all have an appointment with death. And what we see um, is that what is true of us in death reveals what had been true of us in life. That at the moment of death, our life is laid out and it is what it is and it's been what it's been and that is who we have been. That's the life we have lived. In this text this morning, Jesus confronts this group of religious leaders called the Pharisees and he confronts them with their own death. He confronts them and he warns them that unless something changes in their life, their death will not be an honorable death. It won't be a happy death, but it will be a tragic death. He warns them that he, they will die in their sin. He says, you will die in your sin. And as we in this moment, in this season, as we look uh, at death in a way that maybe we never have before, um, and we we contemplate our own appointment with death, whether it's you know in a, in a few weeks because we catch the coronavirus, or whether it's in fifty years and we die peacefully in our sleep at a, at a you know ripe old age, we will die. And Jesus wants to confront us this morning through this passage with the question of when we die. Will we live? This is the question that, that this text is going to put to you and, and to me. When you die, will you live? Will the day of your death be the day of your life? Will the day that you die be the day that you live? This is the question. When you die... Will you live? Jesus continues in this dialogue with the Jewish religious leaders and he challenged them. He says, I'm going away. You'll look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Notice here there are four problems. He presents four problems to them. First is the problem of his own departure. Um, that, that he says that he's going away. What, what's he saying there? Well, what he's referring to is he's referring to the fact that, it, that in, in not very long from then, he is going to go up to Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified. 
and he's going to be put to death on the, the, the cross, the Roman method of execution, and he's going to be buried, and he's going to be raised from the dead, and then he's going to ascend to the right hand of his father. He's going to go back to where he came from, because he, as God, came to earth from heaven to become a human being, to live a sinless life, to die the death of sinners, to be buried and raised from the dead. He says, I am going away. So that's the first problem. Christ is leaving. God is, he's come to town, but he's leaving town. And so he says, I'm leaving. That's the, the first problem. The second problem is that they are going to look for him, but they're not going to find him. The second problem is that our search for Christ, our search for life fails. This is the second problem that, that you, as you two said, you know, 30 years ago, we still haven't found what we're looking for. God has created us for life, but we go looking for life in all the wrong places and we can't find hope and we can't find healing. We, we can't find the, 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 the things that we're looking for in this life. We're, we're looking for happiness. We're looking for these things. And ultimately what we're looking for is we're looking for Jesus because God has designed us for life and that life is found in Christ, but we cannot find it. We can't find Jesus. We can't find life. Jesus, life has to find us. We run further and further away from God. This leads to the third problem. The third problem is the people's death sentence, our death sentence. He says, you will die in your sin. Uh, the Bible says that sin is rebellion against what God requires. And, and everybody rebels against what God has designed them for and commanded them to do. He's, he's written it in our hearts. We have something in, inside of us called the conscience that kind of pings at us when we do something wrong. We have the, 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 the Bible tells us like the 10 commandments and things that, that show us what type of life we're supposed to live. And, and we fail to do that. And we have a saying, we all agree that this is true because everybody believes and everybody says nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. There's I, I, everyone believes that. Everyone believes that all of us fail at times and ways in places. Nobody's perfect. Now, the thing is, we use that as an excuse. We think that makes it okay. Nobody's perfect. It's okay. Let it go. But God sees that as an indictment and a verdict against us. Nobody's perfect. And he says, exactly, exactly. Nobody's perfect. Now you might say, well, what, what, what you know, why is God, does God really expect us to be perfect? I mean, we're just human after all. Well, the Bible says that God created us. He created us for life with him. He created us to live with him and obey him. And he expects, yes, perfection and purity. And you think, well, that's ridiculous. No one expects perfection and purity. Nobody's perfect. That can't be fair. Well, there are things in your life and in my life where we have the same standard. It makes me think of that movie, The Help, that came out a few years ago, where um, the, this this you know woman, this racist woman, is eating a chocolate pie that her her maid has 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 baked for her, and she's just enjoying it. It's so good, and she she says, "What's in it?" And the maid informs her that it is full of the maid's fecal matter. That that it's full of poop, and. Uh, and the woman gets, oh my goodness, this is, obviously, it's disgusting. And if I told you that I made you a pie or I made you brownies, and I said, you know what, don't worry, because this 
pan of brownies. This 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 pie is 99%, actually more like 99.9% poop free. Well, what what you would say is, well, that's not good enough because your standard and my standard is that our pies and brownies have zero poop in them, right? Yes. Just like if someone came over and said, you know, I'm, I'm 90%, 99% coronavirus free. You would say, stay back, stay in quarantine, get, get healthy, go to the hospital, don't come near me. Why? Because there are some things in our life where purity is required and we expect purity. Well, this is how it is with God. He expects purity. He expects us to live a life that he has commanded us to live. And the problem is we don't live that life. So that's the second problem. The second problem is our sin. Notice though, in here in verse uh, 21, it says, you will die in your sin. It, it's The word there is singular, sin. Uh, D.A. Carson, the, the Bible scholar, says that this indicates the, the overarching sin of unbelief. That their sin is that they don't trust and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. This is their sin. That they don't trust and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That this sin of unbelief is the overarching failure in their lives. And if you've heard of Christ, you've been presented with the truth, this is the sin in your life. And if, and if it's true of me, that it'd be the sin in my life, not to believe. Why is unbelief such a big deal? Well, unbelief is a big deal because if you reject the truth of what someone says, you actually reject them themselves. So you can't, you can't say you like Jesus, but you don't trust Jesus. You have to have both. You have to trust and 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 um and 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 accepting of a person go hand in hand that's the third problem and and, and here's the fourth problem and the fourth problem is our destiny he says where i'm going you cannot come you can't go where i'm going where is he going he's going back to heaven we can't go to heaven why because we can't find heaven we can't find the way. Even if we did find the way, we wouldn't be able to get in. That, that there's this there's there's a bouncer, this big bouncer named Tiny at the gates of heaven with a VIP list, and he's gonna check the list and he's gonna see that we're not on it. We can't get in. Even if we could find the way, which we can't, we can't get in. This is the problem that Jesus is presenting uh, to these religious leaders. Now, notice how they respond in, in chapter 8, verse 22. Um, they, they, they misunderstand, but, but worse than misunderstanding, they misrepresent him. The Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. So, so what, they're, what they're doing here, in, in, the, in the ancient uh, Jewish world... To, someone who committed suicide was considered insane. It was a, it was considered an act of insanity. And what they're doing here is they're not so much saying, well, they're not really asking a genuine question. They're trying to rhetorically question Jesus's mental stability. They're, they're saying, this guy's nuts. That's what they're saying. But ironically, what they don't realize is though that Jesus doesn't command plan to kill himself he does plan to let himself be killed 
for sin in his death on the cross. And they've spoken more truly than they even realize. They, they ask this question and Jesus responds to them again in verse 23, in verse, verses 23 and 24. He confronts their ignorance and their bad faith. And he says, you're from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in their sins. So the first thing he does, he contrasts their origin from his own origin. They're from below. He's from above. They are of this world. He is not of this world. They are from earth. He is from heaven. They're from rebellion. He is from righteousness. They are from time. He is from eternity. He is eternal God. They are temporary people. This is their origin. They are of this world, this 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 world system in uh, rebellion against God. D.A. Carson calls it the conscious rebellion against the Creator. He explains their origin, and then he explains. So he he says where they've come from. Now he's going to say where they're going. He says again. You're from the world, you're from below. Therefore, verse 24, John 8, 24, you will die in your sins. That So, so notice here that the, the word sin is plural. So in the previous, you know, what he just said, it's singular, the sin of unbelief. Here it's plural. And, and, and uh, D.A. Carson has said that this refers to all of the sins that spring out of unbelief. That the root of your, your sin and the root of the brokenness in your life comes because you don't believe who God is. You don't believe what he has given to you and offered to you in Jesus Christ. And from that unbelief, that disconnection from God and from reality itself, comes all of these other problems in your life. And he says, you will die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, you don't go where Jesus is going. You go to the other place instead. So their, their destiny, where, they, where they've come from is different and where they're going is different. John Calvin said that unbelief is the fountain and cause of all evils. Because when we don't believe, what we do is we accuse God of lying. We question God's character and we reject God himself. Heaven is where God is. And if we've rejected God, how could we go to heaven? If it's the place where God lives and we have rejected God. And every person ever born except for Jesus himself is born in this world with a heart set on default to doubt and disbelief. St. Augustine said, If you are a human being, whoever you are, then you are of this world. But the one who made the world has come to you and has set you free from the world. If you set your heart on the world, that means you will remain unclean forever. But if you no longer set your heart on this world, you are already clean. We were all of us born with sin. By living, we have added to the sin that we were born with, and we have become more of the world than we were when we were born of our parents. He's saying we're born in sin and we make it worse. All of these false, these these dead ends, these tangents, these these. These, these trails off that we go off on and these, 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 these sidetracks all, all over looking for life, looking for hope, looking for healing, looking for happiness, they only make it worse. Here's the solution. Believe 
in Jesus. Look what he says in verse 24. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, I want you to notice three things in this statement. The first is the word unless. Unless. He's bringing a verdict of damnation, but he's leaving open the hope of salvation. Where would we be without the word unless? We were lost unless. We were hopeless unless. You were stuck unless. You're dead unless. He's leaving the door open, the, the door of hope. He's saying there's no way in except for the one way that there is. You can't go where I'm going. You can't follow where I'm going. But here's the one way. If you were to follow, here's how. That's the second point. Believe. Believe that I am he. Belief is, is subjective trust, appropriation for oneself of the truth. Unless you trust in Jesus, entrust yourself to Jesus, lean on Jesus, lean into Jesus, jump in headfirst with Jesus, go all in with Jesus, whatever, whatever expression you want to use, it's got to be Jesus and Jesus alone. There's a story of um, the great Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez uh, who landed in uh, Veracruz, Mexico. And uh, he knew that his men were going to be tempted to um, sneak off in the middle of the night because of the, the, the untamed jungle and the untamed wilderness and, and all of the danger and all of the difficulty. They were going to be tempted to sneak away, hop in a boat and sail off to safer shores. So what he did, what Cortez did, he had every boat but one stripped and sunk and the one boat was left so they could bring treasure and report back to the great king of Spain. Here's what you need to do. You need to sink your boats. You need to go to the shore of Jesus and you need to say, even though this, this place looks wild and untamed, even though this looks dangerous and difficult, even though the way is narrow that leads to life, I am not leaving myself an out or any other option. The only boat I have left is the boat that I'm going to use to send the treasure and send the, 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 the glory back to the king, back to God. Sink your boats. Go all in with Jesus. He's got a life waiting for you in faith, hope, and love. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, Augustine says that if shedding the Christ's blood is forgiven, that those who literally killed him on the cross, what sin could not be forgiven? If hope was restored even to someone by whom Christ was slain, what murderer should despair? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God will forgive you if you turn to Christ, if you believe. But believe what? That's the third thing. Believe that I am he. Now, it's interesting. In the original Greek language, it literally just says, believe that I am. Those two Greek words, I am, ego, I, amy, I am. So it's I am. They're used in the Old Testament to talk of one person in particular. They are the way that God himself describes and names himself. Exodus 3.14, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, he reveals himself to Moses. The Lord Yahweh reveals himself to Moses and he says, Moses says, who should I say is sending me? And he says, say that I am 
who I am. So what is Jesus doing here? He's saying that he is God the Son. That he is God in flesh before them. So you have to believe in Jesus, but it's not enough to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in the real Jesus. The Jesus who was God the Son eternally, who came at the sending of his Father, became a human being, lived a sinless life, never thought a sinful thought, never felt a sinful feeling, never did a sinful thing, never said a sinful word, never avoided anything he should have done, but he just put off doing, never did anything that he shouldn't have done. And he went and he offered up his life because the wages of sin is death. But his life, though he was perfect, was offered so that anyone who will turn from their sin and trust in him will be forgiven and given eternal life. And y'all, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. You know, when all of this happened about a month ago, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I wish I'd bought Zoom stock, right? Because everyone's doing Zoom all the time. Well, you know, if those people who thought it was too late had bought Zoom stock then, they would have already gained a 20% increase because it wasn't too late. And in the same way, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ and you will be saved.